Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning, everyone. How, how is everyone going today? Um, and also welcome to, uh, not welcome, but hello to everyone out there on the YouTube uh, feed. Um, yeah, praying also for you guys that God will speak to you. And um, just as I was actually preparing uh, for this message, I felt that God wanted to say to you guys out there on the YouTube uh, that God, he, he can speak to you right where you are now and that he loves you and that he hasn't forgotten you and he has a word for you this morning. So, amen, hey? And for us here too, of course. But sometimes, you know, I just think of those guys that are at home for some reason. Maybe they're alone or whatever. And God, he can speak to them too, as well as in the, in the, uh, in the body of Christ uh, as we meet together. So, now this year, today, I don't know if you realized, but today is the last Sunday of 2020. The last Sunday of 2020. What a year. I think some of you guys are thinking, well, good riddance. 2020, I'm done with you. Some of you were done with 2020 in July. You know, who was, who's been done with 2020? <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a tough year. So I'm going to be sharing a little bit about, um, about 2020. I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about 2021. A lot of people have been saying on on uh, on the memes on in, on the internet on Facebook things like that uh, that they're just looking forward to 2021. Um, and so I want to I want to kind of share some thoughts that I feel God's put on my heart around how we can face 21 well because it's kind of not really I don't want to put a downer on this but there's not really any guarantees that 21 is going to be better. I believe it will in faith. But, um, you know, some of us will have tough 21s. So how do we set ourselves up to go well? And I, and I felt to share about a, a young lady called Ruth and how she faced her, uh, how she faced her, in a sense, her 21. Um, just to sum up, just to kind of, what's the word, uh, introduce the story for those. Many of you will have known the story of Naomi and Ruth. It's in the book of Ruth. Check it out. Uh, it's, it's a really great book. But for those of you that, that don't know the book, I'm just going to sum up the start of it. So, so basically, there was a lady called Naomi. And uh, she, she and her husband and her two sons moved from a little old town called Bethlehem. Uh, many of you would have heard of Bethlehem. So, so she moved from there. Uh, into a place called Moab, over the border, uh, kind of like Victoria. <laughs> oh, there's some Victorians here. We love Victorians. But, but basically they moved from Bethlehem to uh, Moab. And uh, that all started kind of quite well, but it wasn't long before things went awry. And now Naomi's husband died. And then her two sons died. Um, sorry, Naomi's husband died. Her two sons got married to, to wives and then, and then they died as well. Okay, so Naomi was left with, uh, with her two daughter-in-laws. One of the daughters was called Ruth. 
But Ruth's story didn't finish there. Um, even though her husband died, she then travels with Naomi back to her homeland, back in Bethlehem, and ends up being blessed by God, marrying a great guy, and, and kind of also ends up being uh, in the line of, of Jesus Christ, which, in, in, which means that her, her great-great-grandchild was Jesus. So she was blessed in that way. Uh, her actual great-grandchild was King David. So God really used her to bring blessing to, um, to the whole world through, through King David and, and also Jesus Christ. So even though her story starts out as a pretty rough 2020, things started to change in 21. But how did that change? So I want to just talk a bit about how she approached her 21, how she kind of left 20 behind her, and there's a few key things there. So let's, uh, let's start by reading uh, Ruth chapter 1. And I've just got some key verses there in the chapter 1, which let's, uh, let's read that. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud. And they wept aloud and said to her, We'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? A little bit further down, uh, Naomi says, No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And then down in verse 19, it says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. The, woman, the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi, you know, returning home? But she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. The strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. I left you full of life and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly doesn't. The strong one ruined me. The strong one ruined me. So you can see here that Naomi, she had a very tough year. And some of you maybe have experienced tough years and maybe it was last year. And I know for me, definitely, my tendency is when I lose something, when I've been dealt a hard blow, our tendency, I think, as humans is when we lose something, we imagine we've lost everything. 
Who's ever done that? You know, I, I, I have these little monologue moments in my life where, you know, something goes wrong and then I, I, I have a, a rant. Holy, does anyone love a good rant? Well, and this has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong, you know, and, and then that person did that, and that person did that, and I can't even get that right. Has anyone ever done that? Where you just kind of like, you just kind of lose it, Ugh, you know? That's kind of what's going on with Naomi. Some significant things went wrong. She lost her husband, she lost her sons, but she didn't lose everything. She had, well, really, she had two daughters that were willing to stick by her, which she really tried pretty hard to push Orpah away. But Ruth clung with her. And then later on in the book of Ruth, which I'm not really going to go into, but she had, uh, there was a whole heap of provisions that were actually there. She had relatives. There was stuff written in the book of Leviticus that set up for people that are doing it tough, that, that they were, um, there was kind of laws and expectations that relatives would look after you and things like that. It sounds like she even had land in her name. So um, there was actually a lot still going for her, but in her mind, Everything was just gone. But Ruth looked at her life a little bit differently. What we notice with Ruth, and the first thing I want to, uh, I want to f- focus on with how we can walk well into a 2021 with a 20 behind us that wasn't that good, is Ruth's attitude. So the first thing that Ruth had was, that, was this, point one, Ruth honored authority and Ruth honored God. She wasn't setting herself up for blame. She, I think it's tempting. It's very tempting when we have a tough year, when we have a tough moment, when things are going really bad, when we're suffering. I don't want to make light of that because I'm suffering is serious business. But it's very tempting to blame. We see that in Naomi. She starts to blame. She blames God. She says, he's set his face against me. But we notice Ruth doesn't do that. She doesn't blame God. In fact, she says, your God, Naomi, will be my God and your people will be my people. She doesn't say, well, Naomi, if you hadn't come to this land, I wouldn't have been where I am with no husband. You know, this has gone wrong. That has gone wrong. She she honors And I think it's a really significant thing to do. I think it's a really important value to have when things go wrong to value, uh, to to honor. A few years ago, um, my kids were little. Zoe and Drew were um, like maybe six or seven years old, eight years old. There's Drew down the front. He's a good lad. You probably don't remember this, but we were at Grandma and Grandpa's house, and uh, we were watching the news together as a family. And uh, on the news, uh, Donald Trump came on, and um, and he uh, he was kind of shared, you know, talking with the the journalists and things like that. And Zoe and Drew jumped up off the couch, and they started jumping around in front of the TV and w- with their thumbs down like this. Boo! We hate Donald Trump. You know. He's got orange hair. It's like, he's going to build a wall, you know. And I was like, I looked at Holly and like shrugged my shoulder. What are they doing? What? 
And Holly's like, whoa, I don't know. And I'm like, have you been talking to him about Donald Trump? She's like, no. I'm like, guys, where have you learned this from? What? And they said, we learn it from school. He's an idiot. We hate him. And I was like, okay, okay, guys, let's hang on, hang on. So we don't, we don't treat people like that. He's the, he's the president of the United States of America, or was it that time? Now I don't even know. <laughs> but I said, like, I, I've, I said, I have no problem with you guys uh, having some concerns about maybe his character or his policies and to say, Dad, look, we disagree with that or that. Like I'm, I said, I'm fine if you don't agree with the man, but you treat him with honor. We treat people in positions of authority with with honour. We treat everyone with honour. But it's a biblical principle and it's good. It helps us to set up a 2021 instead of blaming authority figures to actually lift authority figures up. Uh, check this out in Romans 13, uh, 1 to 2. It says, Every person must submit to and support authorities over him. For there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment which means that every authority exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. In uh, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's a good verse, isn't it? Obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. See, it's a blessing to honour authority. And we notice that with Naomi. She honours, with Ruth, she honours Naomi. She honours her and she commits her life to her. It's a bit of a... um, it's a bit of a trendy thing at the moment. Well, it's probably been a, a trendy thing for the whole of humanity. But I'm noticing it a lot at the moment. It's uh, that cancel culture, you know, that we, we look to people to blame. We look to the government. Oh, how could they make us stay home watching Netflix? How dare they? You know, just blame, tearing things down. Government's not always right, but let's honour. Let's honour. It's what God's calling us to, and it's how we set up ready for a good 2021. I'm, I'm speaking some tough stuff, aren't I? Everyone's quiet, but it's hard. It's hard for me, but it's good for us to honour instead of tearing down. Point two. So point one was, was Ruth honoured authority. She honoured God. Uh, point two, I want to talk now a little bit about suffering. When, uh, when the COVID hit, when the COVID hit, COVID-19, when that hit, I kind of like saw it was watching things roll out on the TV. And I expected certain things to happen. Um... I expected Americans to kind of riot in the streets, right? I kind of expected that would happen. Um, 
when I were told to stay home, to wear masks, I expected there to be a backlash with that. Why? Why did I expect that? Because, because America, they have certain values as a nation, right? And one of their big things they love is freedom. You know, it's in their Declaration of Independence. It's in their national anthem, the land of the free. They love freedom. That's the thing that they really hold up. In a lot of ways, it's probably their, their biggest ideal. You know, obviously, there's individuals. America is made up of, of different people. But as a collective whole, it's something they value, right? They talk about freedom a lot. It's, it's, it's very precious to them. And so when, when you get told to, that, that you have to give some of that up or whatever, you know, it's obvious that they were upset by that. It's predictable that, that there was going to be some backlash. And so whatever we hold up most, when that's threatened, uh, th- there's a backlash, right? So that was predictable. But what I didn't expect, what absolutely floored me, was how, how Australia reacted. You see... Australia, when we were told that COVID was coming, the way we reacted is that we hoarded toilet paper. Not, not canned goods, uh, not knives or baseball bats or guns, um, not koalas or kangaroos. We lined up for toilet paper. And I think that's really interesting. Because like Americans hold up liberty or freedom as maybe their biggest ideal, I wonder if what Australians might hold up as more important than anything else, I wonder if it's comfort. You know, that three-ply comfort. I need a soft bottom. You know, I think Australians, I think we're an easygoing lot and there's so many good things about us. I I love being Australian. But I just wonder whether we like our comfort a little bit too much. You know, I wonder. I wonder if that's held up as an ultimate goal. I wonder if suffering is the thing that we want to avoid the most. Is, Is suffering something we want to avoid at all costs? And I know for some people, the idea of suffering is, is so traumatic. I've heard people say this in my workplaces and that. You know, they talk, they, talk about, um, they talk about the suffering in the world. And the idea of people suffering is so traumatic to them that it even becomes a reason that they refuse to believe in God. Have you ever heard people say that? Where they say, oh, I couldn't. You know what, Mark? I couldn't, I couldn't possibly believe in a God who allows people to suffer. It allows people to suffer. And I think it's something that our generation really is jostling with at the moment. Suffering. It's something that we, we think is just the worst thing in the world. And I just, I just want to question that. You know, we've got people lining up to join Greenpeace or... Or Peter, or 
or whatever because they don't want to see animals suffer. They want them to live a ripe old age. But as a byport, to me, I think old age is, is probably the most suffering of all. You know, seeing an animal, all its feet, all its teeth have fallen out and it slowly dies through starvation and as the worms eat it from the inside out for <laughs> over the last year of its life. To me, that's suffering. But people want to protect that stuff anyway. Don't get me started on that. But suffering, you know, people want to stop suffering. And so, and so what I notice is on one hand, we've got this Western kind of mindset that we have that wants to pigeonhole suffering as almost evil. And to say that is the worst thing you could possibly happen is that you might suffer. You might go without something like three-ply toilet paper. You might go hungry for a day or two. But on the other hand, I don't know if you've realized this, but we as a Western civilization, we hold up suffering as something quite virtuous. There's one genre in our society where we pay billions of dollars every year to watch people suffer. We can't get enough of it. And that is the film industry. I don't know if you realize that. That every blockbuster movie ever made is a story of suffering. Let me tell you the, the, next, the plot of the next big blockbuster movie. And... Um, Sorry, spoilers. It's kind of a joke, but no one really laughed. Spoilers. Anyway, so thank you, thank you. So here, here's the plot, okay? The hero suffers. He's going he's gonna to have a bad day, a really bad day. Maybe it will be The Rock or Simba or Woody or Iron Man or Leonardo DiCaprio holding on to a piece of driftwood while he slowly freezes to death. There's going to be suffering. You're going to pay money for it. You're going to watch it. Maybe it's Luke Skywalker or Harry Potter or Frodo Baggins. They're going to have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. And there's many situations that this hero might find himself in. But only, only when it costs him almost everything will the audience be satisfied. He'll be punched. He'll be bruised. He'll be burnt. He'll be Bruce Willis in Okimata Tower, walking over broken glass in bare feet. Is that how you say the tower? Die Hard. Come on. That's the best Christmas movie ever, right? If you haven't watched Die Hard, don't watch it with your kids. But go home now and watch it. Not now, after. You know, he's, he's this scene where he's, he's walking on broken glass and he's got to be really quiet because there's a guy with a gun in the next room and you can just feel that glass going up through his tendons and there's blood everywhere. People make this stuff up because we love to watch people suffer. We love it. 
Because we know suffering matters. There's something about someone going through pain and hardship for someone else that we know counts for something. Of course, not all suffering has the same value. You know, sometimes we can suffer because we're unwise. We make uh, dumb decisions. There's a, there's a statement attributed to John Wayne, and he says, uh, Life is hard, but it's even harder if you're stupid. Right? We make, dumb, we make dumb mistakes, right? And that can cause us to suffer. But that's not the kind of suffering that we love as humans. That's not what we pay to see. That's not what we hold up. As some people suffer, they go without to, to make money. You know, that kind of suffering where they, they put what their immediate needs aside and they work hard and they build up something to, to make something of themselves. That's not really what we love to see. But what we love to see is when someone gives up something of themselves for someone else. When they put their life on the line for someone else. That We know that counts, right? We know there's something worth in that. This is what, um, this is what Ruth did. My point number two is Ruth allowed her suffering a purpose. She allowed her suffering to have a purpose. We can't control when we lose something. She couldn't control that. Her father-in-law died. Her husband died. Her brother-in-law died. She lost almost everything. And she couldn't control that. But her response is to give up something more. Right When she lost something, her response wasn't to pull everything in and save what she could. When she lost everything, her response was to give her life away to Naomi. Notice that? That's how she walked into her 21 after such a tough year. Instead of self-preservation and trying to pull herself together, she gave more away. What an amazing way to approach a 21 with a generosity of heart to give her life for someone else. It says, uh, this is how um, the book of John puts it. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I've loved you. For the greatest love of all the love that is the love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. That's the kind of love that matters. That's the kind of suffering that matters. That's the kind of stuff we write movies and books and tell stories about. And that's the kind of love and suffering that we as, as representatives of Christ are called to. Jordan Peterson says it like this. Life is suffering. Life is suffering. So why not do something with it that might just justify your miserable existence? <laughs> he doesn't mince words, oh, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He says, life is going to kill you. You may as well play as if you're all in. Right, life is hard. 2020 was hard. 2020 was hard. There's no guarantees that 2021 is going to be any easier. So why don't we walk into it 
with a generous heart. A heart that could bring meaning to our suffering. A heart that might just lift someone else up. A heart like Ruth, hey? Is anyone with me? It's a challenging message. It's challenging for me. I'm just as selfish as anyone else. Holly says more. This is the kind of suffering that Ruth embraced. She didn't walk into 2021 as a three-pie toilet paper Christian clinging to comfort, but instead giving up something for someone else. And this is the kind of suffering that defined our beautiful Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who hung there on the cross. His 2020 was pretty bad. It cost him his life. But three days later, he rose again and walked into an amazing 21. And that's what God does. When we walk into a 2021 like Ruth, like Jesus Christ, you know, God raises us up. He promises to be with us. He promises to use our suffering for his glory. When we, when we do it like Jesus Christ did and give up our life for other people. Hebrews 12 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not lose, uh, you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you like to stand? I just want to give people an opportunity this morning, and I'm, I'm going to be doing this as well. I've talked a lot about suffering this morning, and I haven't gone into the depths of how tough it is. For many people, uh, 2020 was um, significantly hard. They lost loved ones. They went through extreme hardship and trauma. And I don't want to make light of that. So I just want to give people an opportunity this morning to kind of give that to God as we stand here, just to say, God, I just give you that 2020. I just, I can understand Naomi saying, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. I can understand that. But I want to give people an opportunity to give that to God this morning and to say, you know, I want to walk into 2020 like Ruth. I want to leave, uh, 2021 like Ruth. I want to leave that stuff behind. So for those of you that have been through significant trauma and trials, and not just people here, but people watching on YouTube, I just want to encourage you to, to grab onto God now. As, as I'll lead you through a prayer. Let's pray. Father, for many, 2020 was uh, significantly tough. They lost loved ones. They lost finances. And mental health situations were tough. There may have been depression, anxiety. A business has failed. It's a whole myriad of things, God. But Father... We just want to give those things to you. We recognize that you are not against us. 
like Naomi said, the Lord has set his face against me, he's against me. God, we know through Christ that you are not against us. You are for us. You have a future and a hope for us. And you love us. So God, we just give to you all those trials and those traumas and that suffering. And we say, God, take it. We just want to let that go. God, we want to walk into 2021 with open hands, not hands full of regret and pain. Thank you, God, that you are the comforter. And we ask you to comfort us now so that we can walk through 2021 holding your hands, God. Thank you, Father. second thing I want to pray about is... um, for some of us that may be scared or fearful of, of suffering. But through Jesus Christ, suffering is not something we need to fear. And in fact, when we suffer for the right things, going without for someone else, it, um, it became, it, it's, it's, the, it's the power of God. Like it's, it's something that God can use to lift people up. So I just want to pray for that. Father, I just pray for, um, for all of us here. God, we don't want to be three-ply toilet paper Christians that care most about our comfort. God, we want to be like Ruth, who when she lost something, she gave up more. That her suffering had a meaning as she lifted someone else up. So God, I pray that you would lead us to people in our lives where we can lose a little for them, for their sake. God, help us to be Christians um, that love our town and community and suffer a little bit, go through some discomfort to lift someone else up. God, we pray you'd help us to not fear suffering, but like Jesus Christ, embrace it. Embrace what you're calling us to for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of, the, of, of, of what you're calling us to, for the sake of the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.